So if you don't know, um, you know, back east when I went to the Methodist church for a year, they did everything in 59 and 59. 59 minutes, 59 seconds, the whole service. From worship to announcements to the teaching to the ending song to communion and whatever else they had on the plate, it was 59 and 59. So I'm still kind of used to that, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what it is, but it was pretty, pretty amazing. I used to sit there and think, wow, we got all of that done in 59 and 59. And it was like, you know, we did six songs. We did the whole nine yards. It was pretty intense. But the message was, you know, 20 minutes, and that was it. But um, it's pretty funny. When you only have 20 minutes, you get to your points really, really quick. There is no stalling. There is no messing around. It's straight to it, and there you go. So tonight, let's go ahead and open up um, to Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a few in the back if you want to grab one. You have 12 of these for me today. Thank you very much. Oh, this is for this? Look at this. All right. Woo! See if I can't spill that tonight. And just for your pleasure, and so that I can read a little better, I did bring my large print, bold Bible. So, <laughs> so uh, we're good. It's Mark chapter 5. That's right. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. This has been a fun and exciting uh, week and time. You know, Sam knew he was going, obviously, to Haiti some time ago. And as he was filling these slots, um, you know, he asked me to, to do tonight. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. This is great. I would love to do that. Um, I love the ability to come and just, you know, dive into the Word and see what He has for us. And for me, uh, especially because, you know, you have to set aside that time. You know, you have to set some kind of goal to get done by a certain date. So, um, you know, when he uh, asked me, this was this particular scripture was kind of brewing on my heart and 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 coming after me as someone who is obviously seeking after God and actually wanting more in my life. You know, I'm constantly reaching. And so are you. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind or you wouldn't be here. But you're constantly trying to reach for more of God. And, you know, my prayers are always so that we can touch the hem of your garment. You know, that's something that I've said over and over again as I pray, you know, with the fellowship and as I pray at home and I pray with my kids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this, this scripture kept coming to me. You know, um, and this story, really, it wasn't the scriptures. I don't know the scriptures like that. Matthew chapter 5 was coming to me. No, it was the story was coming to me of this, this desperate woman who, with all that she could do, wanted to just reach and touch just, just the hem, just the cloak, just, just the clothes of Jesus, and she would be healed. And she had this great faith for that. And we'll go through the process that God gave me um, in in my life and how this can be applicable to me but that constant reaching is something that that I struggle with that I want to, I I desire to do and through tonight I pray that not only will the answer become more clear to me but it will also be clear to you as to how we can reach for God in that kind of way so let's read the scripture tonight Mark chapter 5 uh, verse 25. Actually, we'll go ahead and do uh, 24 first, sorry. 
and he went off with him. Now, just before, you know, um, a, a gentleman came up to him, his daughter's, you know, sick to the point of death, and he's, you know, going now to basically heal his daughter, this, this man's daughter, go see what's going on. And in verse 24, we pick it up and he said, and he went off with him and a great multitude was following him and pressing on him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse, after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I shall get well. Well, well, that's country, sorry. Well. And immediately the flow of blood was dried up and she felt it in her body that she was healed of all her affliction. And immediately Jesus perceiving him in himself that the power proceeding was that power proceeded from him and had gone forth, turned around into the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude pressing on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want to pray one more time. Father God, we just thank you so much for this. And Father, as we come with our afflictions, Father, as we come with our great faith, with our little faith, Father, as we come with just a desperation in our hearts, Lord, to just know who you are more. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be in this place. Father, speak your words to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The thing here that I really focus on tonight is the if only in verse 28. If only I touch his garments. You know, you set up the stage here. This, this lady has had this issue for 12 years, it says in Mark. And what a nightmare of an issue. If you go back to Leviticus and you find out what's going on with this unclean part of the law, anyone who had an issue with blood was considered unclean. You couldn't touch them. You're, anything that they touched was considered unclean. Everything in their life was basically unclean. And this was only supposed to be for a specific period. And then the issue of blood goes away. You wash yourself with water and then you're able to come back into society. But this woman had this issue for 12 long years. And and Pastor Sam touched on this a few weeks ago and I was cringing when he was talking about this because I'm like, come on, man. You're killing me here. But, you know, it's an, it's an incredible thing when you, when you think about what this lady was going through. She was basically ostracized. And, and most of the people say, you know, she probably didn't have a husband at this point because he could have put her away. 
And if she continued to do these things, if she was to go around people or if she was to be around them, they could definitely put her away. And there was a, a major problem with this. So you can imagine this scene and what it would take the courage for this lady to go into a crowd of men and women and go ahead and touch the hem of his garment. Go ahead and touch his cloak. I mean, this took some serious preparation. This took some thought about what's going on. And you have to imagine, where does her faith begin? Where, where did it begin? She had this issue and she heard things. Throughout the scriptures, it talks about in, um, Mark chapter 6, verse 56, it says, Whenever he, being Jesus, entered into villages and cities or into the country, they laid their sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and that many, and many who touched him were made well. It says it in other scriptures that all you had to do was, was touch his garment and he, he could heal you. So, of course, this lady had probably heard this. And so she's thinking in her mind, this is the answer. This is the one who can heal me. This is the one that is going to, to, um, to save me from, from my life that I have right now. This is the one that I'm, I'm going to, um, to put my trust in and my faith in. And I'm going to, to get this way. I'm going to get there somehow, some way. But how does she do this with all of these people around and stay alive? How does she do this? And it's amazing to me that in her mind she says, if only, if only I touch him, if only. You can see that she's watched what was going on. You can imagine, I mean, you take yourself there, you have this issue. If you're anything like me, you scheme a way to get to him. You know, I have to get from where I'm at to the one who can heal me. How can I do that? And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, the, the visions of, of who I am and, and what I am start to come out. And so you can see her almost stalking him. Like, I just need a chance to be by myself with him. If I could just get into a place, if I can maneuver while he's walking or where he's going, maybe he's, you know, I don't know. But if I can just, if I can just get close to him, I'll be able to be healed. And it wasn't, in my opinion, and, and I, I don't know, you know, you can only speculate when you read this, you know, what the vision is, and they're probably all different in our heads. But you know she didn't go, well, gosh, I think I'll just go up and touch him. Boom, because that wasn't the culture. I mean, like us today, we would just be like, yo, yo, hey, what's up? You know, come on in, boom, barge down the door, and that would be it, because we really don't care about people stoning us, because we're unclean, because we stink, because whatever reasons there are. So, you know, you can think, as as you see this going on, that she had to plan. She she had a definite um, methodology to what she was going to do. Um She knew what she needed to do, and she watched all of the things that probably Jesus was doing and who he was healing and how he was conducting himself, waiting for that point where she's going to be healed. Just waiting. Could she get close enough to him, and how would she do it in the mob? Knowing that she was unclean, knowing that her sin was something that she was supposed to be very open about. 
I'm unclean, I'm unclean, clear the way, I'm unclean. How is that going to, how is she going to get to this one? It's, it's funny to me because, you know, there's a lot of times where we say, um, in our minds, you know, that sin is secret. I have that secret sin. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to work on this through God. And nobody knows about it. It's just something that's in you. But her sin, even though it was very private and could be very, very secret, was very obvious. And she had to make it known in the society that she lived in. So how was she scheming? How was she doing that? She was watching Jesus work. She was watching what he did. She did the research. I'm sure she asked people. I'm sure people were telling her, you know, Jesus is the one that can do this. Because she had to have some kind of circle of somebody helping her out. Don't you think? Don't you think there was somebody that was unclean like her? Don't you think that there was someone that could give her some kind of hope and inspiration? There was some way that she heard about this, that she was in town or that she was with someone and she researched it. She watched Jesus. She researched what was going on. She knew where he was going or where he would be found. And then she started to plan. She had to plan. There's no way as a woman being unclean that you didn't put on clean garments if you were unclean and go and try to blend into the crowd, at least close enough to where you could get close enough to go ahead and touch him. She had to plan this out. You just weren't in bloody garments walking through the street going, I just don't care anymore. Although that was probably in her mind. What we don't understand is that she could have been killed. They could just go ahead and stone her right there, done. No one would even probably cared or even known. She was considered second class, worse than that. You're just unclean. You're nothing. She investigated the possibility. She planned it out. She researched it. And then she made her move. She saw her opportunity and she made the move. You know, desperation does that. Desperation causes us to get to a place in our hearts and in our minds to where we want to change something. And it doesn't matter what it is. Desperation will take us to that place. Desperation, the place where you've lost all hope. No physician can heal me. This is the state that I'm going to be in forever. I cannot get this. I've exhausted all of my resources and I can't do it anymore. I need a different answer. I need a savior. I need someone to heal me. That desperation caused her to be searching and looking for the one who could heal her. And as that desperation sinks in, she sees the one that can heal her. She hears about the one that can heal her. And she starts to dedicate her her ideas and her thoughts to seek that one. Doing whatever it would take to touch the hem of his garment. You can imagine If she asks questions, now what do I have to do? Do I have to get in front of him? Do I have to lay down? Do I have to bow down? Does he have to bless me with a staff? Does he have to touch me? I heard he spit in people's eyes. Like what is, what, what, what does he have to do? And, and wherever Jesus entered into villages, people knew that if I just get in front, if I just get in the way, I could touch the hem of his garment. I could touch just, just who he was and that power that is in this man will come through that and come in me and cleanse me. 
That is great faith. That is great faith. And she says, that's it. I'm determined, no matter what it cost, that I'm going to touch this man's garment. I am going to get there. I am going to do it. What fear must have ripped her heart? As she did all the preparations to blend in, just for those moments or those seconds or whatever it was, to get that close to Jesus... And she sees this opportunity. Someone comes, talks to Jesus. She probably wasn't that close. And now he's changing direction and he's going somewhere. And she probably thought, he's leaving. He's not going to be here anymore. I'm losing my opportunities. I thought he was going that way. I was going to sneak around the bathroom, touch the hem of his garment, pull out his hair and keep on going. You know, no one would ever know. But now he's changed. He's going somewhere else. And out of that desperation, out of that dedication, came determination that I do not care what it costs me. I will touch this man. I will touch the healer. Determination. No matter what it costs. What does it take? She said... If I just touch his garments, if, how many ifs do we have in our life? If I could just fill in the blank, I would be so much better for Jesus. If I would only do this, I could touch more people. This woman, because of her desperation, determined with all of her dedication, with everything she had, that she would touch him and that she would be healed. That's a powerful, powerful testimony. And how many of us, knowing the stories that are in the Bible, knowing what's going on, reach for God with that determination? We know that our God is greater. We know it. We see it, 2020 hindsight, All of this stuff is done and we know our God has all the power and he's promised and made several promises to us. Do we have that despair to love like he loves, to care like he cares, to move in a way with determination and dedication just to reach and just to touch and just to pour ourselves into the man that can pour so much back into us? Do we have that? This woman did. She said in her mind, in her plan, if I just touch her research, watching her, seeing what's going on, everything that's happened, and she makes her move. She makes her move here in this crowd. Now, can you imagine this? I mean, this is like, and it's not even like, this is like the president was just in town. The president, he's just in town. And you are going to go touch his jacket. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, you know, he didn't have the security per se, you know, with all the weapons and all that kind of stuff. But there was 12 apostles around him. There was 12 disciples around him moving him along. There was people all enthroned touching him and, and, you know, being all in his way. So how is a little lady who's probably completely dehydrated, completely weak, completely sick, 
going to move through this crowd and touch that man. Determination, dedication, desperation, and it will bring her deliverance. It's amazing when you read those words, if I just, there's my part, there's faith, and there's what God can do. And it changes her whole world. It changes everything about her whole life by that one thing. If I, if I will set myself and set those sights on him, I have the faith in this God that he will bring me what I need. And when he touches her, knowing all these people are touching him, but God knowing Jesus knowing that power had left him and that she was healed instantly. You can imagine, like, you know, God knew what was going on. Jesus knew. Jesus probably knew her when she was stalking him. You know, there she is. She's going to touch my garment. You wonder if he, you know, stepped away and made her go more, or he stepped into her situation to help her faith. You just wonder. Because God does both. Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. I'm meeting with you tonight. What? Or like Sam was reading the other day, he went into the room, sat down, and the blind men were like, come on, Jesus, where you at? Where you at? He's watching them. Where are you at? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. Wonder what he was like. Wonder what it was like. But you know he knew. You know he knew. What kind of... Just perfect love is that, knowing we know our God, we know Jesus like that, that he wants what's best for us and that he will allow you to come and touch him. And you see this, and it's so intriguing. It's so beautiful. And that leaves him, and he says, who touched me? And all of those people there were trying to get something from God, every single one of them, but only one had the real faith that was like, I'm determined to touch you because I know you're the answer. I'm not, I'm not thinking you might be the answer. I'm not, you know, just going to touch you to see what's going on. I'm not getting my Jesus insurance, man. I'm touching you and you're going to heal me because I've seen you do it to others. I've done my research. I know who you are, God. I've watched you work. I know you you can save me. I know you're the answer. And if I just do this, I know you will deliver. What faith is that? What power is that? And God says, who touched me? And these people say, what are you talking about, God? Everybody's touching you. No, no, no. Power has left me. You could be like, well, I want some. I want some. I want some. I didn't get any power. Did you get any power? I didn't get any power. Did you get any power? And you could see this woman's countenance probably just completely get terrified. Here she is, unclean, in a crowd of people. What? They're going to find out that I'm unclean? Great, I'm healed and dead. This is going to be great. She probably wasn't at the, then he who was without sin cast the first stone. I don't think she was there. She probably was in the, you know, all I have to do is, and he's in town. Okay, what's going on now? How do what I have to do now? And I'm going to watch him, and I'm going to do this. And 
She probably wasn't there. So now her countenance changes. And he looks around. I just love this because you can see, you know, you know he's got, you know, you know he knows. And he like looks just for everybody else. Like, is it you? Is it you? Is it? No, you didn't have any faith. Nope, not you either. No. Oh, there you are. And her countenance. I'm not worthy to touch you, God. I'm not worthy. I'm not supposed to be here. You can't give me up like this. Please, please. And she tells him, I, this is the, um, what is it? The new, the new American standard. I like, I like this one because it's easy for me to read and I can't read. So, um, she says, uh, she told him the whole truth. Oh, I want to hear that conversation. Why isn't that conversation recorded? God, I was over there and I heard and this is what happened. And all I wanted to do was just, I knew if I just touch you and I know that I'm unclean and I know that this is and I know that that and I, I'm making all these excuses and I shouldn't be here. And I, I just, you know, I, I, and he's like, your faith has made you whole. You're healed. You already know that. She felt it instantly. What was that like? Oh, wow, was that cool. You know, there's times where and I'm sure, well, I don't know. There's times where, um, you know, I'll be leading worship and just the Spirit of God touches me. It's not all the time. It's not every song. It's not everything. It's just like a millisecond. It's like a twinkling of an eye that God just goes, I'm here with you. And it overwhelms you. I mean, completely like, out of body, wow, that was really, really cool. Oh yeah, next chord is G, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, you, you're, you're out of it and you're into it and you're overwhelmed. And that's just, that's just, really it's probably, I'm see, I'm really seeking after you right now. I, I, I see it. I, I get it. I, I understand the words and wow, you're like using me. Wow. And then it goes away. But she touched him and felt probably instantly. Well, it says instantly. That change in her. What did that feel like? I want to know. And then he kept going. You wonder what she was doing, like just laying there or what happened? And you wonder, did she follow him? Did she go where he goes? And did she like... Get it now? I mean, it's not like she had a whole bunch of friends and, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, she was pretty much an outcast. But you just wonder. But tonight and what I see and what I desire out of my life is that whole if only. If only. What, is, what are the possibilities? What are they? If you dedicate your life, if you dedicate a moment, if you're determined for a specific goal, what happens? You know, when my oldest son, Tristan, was going to get married, my wife is like, we need to lose weight. (laughs) Okay. I'm good with that. And that's difficult. I like to eat. Now, I, I'll tell you, it was a whole lot easier living in Georgia 
because there is no in and out there is no good Mexican food, period. We never went out to dinner, ever, because it just wasn't that good. Not going to throw down that kind of money for very not mediocre food. Just wasn't what I wanted. I, it's so weird. And I'm from there. That's just such a weird thing to me. But just not going out to dinner didn't lose any weight. You know, we had to do something. We had to get up off the couch. We had to determine that eating just a little piece of fish, that's dinner. And working out for 40 minutes, six days a week, for six months, every day. I looked forward to Sundays. Sundays were our blow-it day. Oh, but you know what? I could never eat. I could never eat. Because I work so hard all week long. It's just not worth it. You know, it's just not worth it. But that if I got us off the couch and that working out lost the weight, 35 pounds for me, 20 for my wife, over a six-month period or whatever, but it didn't happen with us dreaming about it, watching infomercials of Insanity and Sean T talking about working out and how you could do this or you could do that if you, you had to get up and do it. You had to pick up off the couch, stand there and sweat in 98-degree Georgia heat and really, really sweat. I mean really, really sweat to work that off. The first time we did our first workout, because men are weird, you know, like we can do that. I don't know. That's how I am anyway. You know, you flip on the video, 20 push-ups, I can do that. Boom, you're going at it. You're doing what it takes. And then all of a sudden... Like 40 minutes is a long time. It's a really long time. I was good for about four minutes. And the first time, it hurt. I threw up. I was sick. My body ached. I couldn't walk up and down the stairs. I couldn't get in and out of the car. Push-ups, sit-ups, didn't touch a weight. It was ridiculous. But after a little bit of time, about three weeks, Three or four pounds started to go real quick. And you start to say, hey, this is worth it. I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to get to this. I think I'm going to do that. But it's that if only. We determined that this was the goal and we did that. That's just one thing. How do we do that for God? What do we do when we wake up in the morning and we say, if only And here it is. Some of the things for me in my walk is, I want this kind of faith. I want this kind of faith. I want to walk and know, because I know, but I want to know. I want to know that my God can do that. And I want to walk with that kind of comfort and conviction that my God loves every single person enough to meet them and touch them right where they are. I want to exude that out of my body. 
I want to embolden people to do the things that they want to do and to live the life that they want to live because I know my God loves them so much that he would do whatever it takes and allow them to come to him. You know, we look at all of the things that stress us out in life, and it's kind of funny, you know, when you think about it. Um, I go in and out big time. Um, Money used to never bug me. Just used to not care. Whatever. You know, as long as there's food, as long as our rent's paid, I don't really care. My wife used to be completely stressed ball over money. Just absolutely got to know where it is, what's going on. I mean, she's still a little bit like that. God bless her. Thank God for her like that, by the way. Um, she knows where I eat lunch pretty much as soon as I swipe the card. I don't know what the deal is. Like, doop, doop, you're at McDonald's. What? I've not even got it yet. You shouldn't eat that, you know. Um, but like, I used to not stress, and now I've found myself, I'm stressing on simple things that I never stressed before. But I know that God takes us through. I've been through so many things. When I do my resume, it's scary. Like, how do you live in all of these places and work at all of these places in your life? And I just look at that and say, my God is just sufficient for me. Every time I need something, he's there for me. He takes it there. But I want to know how to give that to someone else. I want to walk in that walk. You know, at this new job that I have now, you know, I got another one. Probably won't be the last, especially with the economy the way that it is. But you have 14 people. And they know I'm a Christian. They know I teach. They know I do worship. But I wonder if I exude this kind of faith with them. I wonder if they believe my walk the way that I believe my walk. And I say, if I just, and I need to fill that in, then God will show them. If I just walk with integrity, if I just tell them the truth, no matter how bad it hurts, if I'm dedicated to just being that upright person, will that be enough? It's not in what I do. It's that whole thing what God is going to do too. I want to watch God. I want to know who God is. I want to touch God and I want to plan on being with God. And I don't care who who sees and what happens anymore. Can you imagine if we were able to live our life like I don't care what other people say I just want to touch the hem of of his garment. I just want to be healed. And I don't care if they call me a quack. I don't care if they do this or they do that. I just want to be that person for God that God has desired in me. And you wonder with this affliction if she would have ever known God if she didn't have it. Would she have ever desired and, and was desperate and dedicated and determined if she didn't have this affliction? And then you wonder, what are my afflictions? And if they're gone, if those things that I'm afflicted with and that I'm, I'm desperately crying out to God for, if they were removed from my life, would I reach for his garment? Would I plan a way to get to him? I don't think I would. I think I'd be all right. I'm all right. I'm good. And I would be distracted with other things. Would you? If we didn't have those afflictions, would you just walk after God all the time? 
everything is perfect in your life. So it makes you, it makes you wonder. It makes me wonder. Okay, God, this is my affliction. This is how you're going to have me desire after you. Now I give it to you. The affliction's gone and there's new pain. <laughs> have you guys noticed that? <laughs> but what I love about God and, and my walk with God is that through my pain, I'm able to touch people. I'm able to talk to people. I'm able to understand and have compassion, just like I talked about the last time I talked. Have compassion for people who, who maybe someone wouldn't have that compassion for if we hadn't walked that walk and been in those shoes and had all of those different things. I just wonder what it would be if I. You know, I love how Pastor Sam has just a a different outlook on what church is. And what he said to me, um, or not me, but all of us, of course it was me only that he was talking to on Sunday, just so you guys know. I don't know why you were there. It's only me. But you know how he was talking about, you know, churches are kind of a club. You know, sometimes it's just a club. I really noticed that when I was back east. It's kind of a country club. Not just the one that, you know, I went to, but a lot of them. A sect. These people are these people, and these people are these people, and these people are these people, and we don't like the Baptists because they beat us to Denny's. They get out of church early. They do their times around that, you know. That's why the 59 and 59 is really important. You know, it's like, hey, the Baptists get out in 20 minutes. You got to hurry up, wrap it up. I got to be out of the parking lot. Come on, move it, move it, move it, move it. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say that. Huh? This isn't going on the Internet. He's not taping. I'm good. <laughs> but I love how Sam really just wants to touch people. I love how we're not building buildings, you know, and I'm telling you, I'm the first one that's like, dude, let's get a church. You know, I want, a, I want a big building. I want to be able to practice on Friday nights and, you know, whatever. And that's, that's just not what it is. And I love that. Because if we just touch people, if we just do this, if we determine to just be godly and to try to show people who God is, just take them to him, to him, not to the building, not to the band, not to the, you know, NIV or the whatever it is. But, but if we just take him to Jesus and allow them to reach, God will meet them. I love that. I love that. Tonight, I do want to lift up Sam and the team in prayer and I want to lift up you guys as well. And then I want to do maybe another song or so. But I also want to ask you, what will you do to touch the king? What will you do? Do we seek after the king of kings in a way where we position ourselves to touch him. And if we don't do that, if we're not 
seeking God in that way, why not? When she did, she was healed. When she did, she had deliverance. She was made whole again. Why wouldn't we seek after God? Why wouldn't we seek after Jesus knowing that he will make us whole, maybe not physically, but in our minds to know that he is God, maybe physically? Don't know. How do you plan? How do you research? How do you make your way? How do you just say, I don't care what the crowd says, I'm going to touch them? What do we do? What do we do? Let's pray. Father God, I just, I thank you so much, Lord, that your word, Father, it's personal. And Lord, you meet us exactly where we are. And Father, you desire for us to seek after you. Father, that you would take us, all of us, and use us to just take each other to the next step, to the next place, to the next platform, to jump to the next place to touch you and and to reach for you more. Father, I pray that we do reach for you. Father, I pray, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would just be turned to a place where we could not be in a country club, not be in a group setting, but, Father, determined to personally go after you and to touch you and to be with you, knowing that you have something for us. Father, I just, I thank you so much. And Lord, I lift up the team that's going to Haiti, Lord. They have no idea what you have for them, but they have determined. They have planned. They have researched. They have made a way, Lord, to seek after you and to touch your people. For Father, as they do unto the least, they do it unto you. And Father, as we have, as a church body, as a a gathering, as a group, given, Lord, to just help me to cause. Father, we pray it would cause those people of Haiti to, to reach for you, to seek after you, to plan their lives around what you want for them. Father, there's many things in this room. There's many things, secret sins. Father, there's areas of our lives where we're bleeding and we're unclean and we're in a horrible place. But Father, we can give it to you and you can touch us and that power will come from you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would just have that faith, that determination. Father, I love you. We praise you. And we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.